Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you how good Cole Caulfield is because if they could give him double Hobie Baker, he deserved it for making that Wisconsin team somewhat competitive last year because, wow, they did not look very good this year. I think the technical term is hot garbage. <laughs> Hello, I'm, I'm Weldy here sitting with uh, Andrew here talking to your all news Husky hockey, some college hockey as uh, the Huskies enter the bye week. We're depending on how you want to look at it, six and two on the seasons, five, one and one. I don't know. You know, we're we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, just um, overall, we can kind of, you know, jump into the Wisconsin series um, and kind of give our thoughts. Huskies win. Uh, Friday, 5-1, and then followed up with a 4-1 victory um, on on Saturday. So, overall, very, very strong. I, I'm stuck between if it's a very strong performance by the Huskies or if it's a very subpar Wisconsin team, or a little bit of both. And um, so, kind of, what are your overall thoughts on the weekend? Yeah, I think a little bit of both uh, it would be the, the answer I'd go with. Um, when the... Uh, when the even strength play five on five play and when the Huskies have such a clear skill advantage there five on five, and then they dominate special teams the way that it did five power play goals, one shorthanded goal should mention one, the, the Saturday goal for Wisconsin was a shorty, but they didn't score. They were shut out on their power play. And I believe now one for 20 on the season. Combine the skill advantage five on five to the Huskies, you know, completely dominating on special teams. That's the that's the recipe for two lopsided wins, uh, and that's what we saw this weekend uh, with uh, with the Huskies. Uh, I thought handily uh, beating the the Badgers both nights. It was. Uh, I'm I'm very happy that we saw. Uh, a power play performance like we did against a team that isn't St. Thomas. I thought that was kind of key, um, you know, just to kind of get the maybe a little bit of an asterisk. Uh, and obviously Wisconsin's not going to light the world on fire this year. Uh, but it's, I think it's still, you know, a lot better competition um, than, than, than St. Thomas. So, um, just us to be able to, to dominate that uh, that special teams battle and especially our, our our power play which looked you know just downright lethal at times was gives me a little bit more sense of security when it comes to that yeah and the and the penalty kill um, which you know under Larson has definitely been tightened up um, since the Motsko days but in the Motsko era the Penalty kill was was often uh, a liability for this team, but uh, and again, Wisconsin not not great. I as we were mentioning before the show, I think they're going to struggle to win ten games this year. Um, Big Ten's not great, but I mean, I can't name one player on that team that's like, ooh, look out for him. Um, that guy looks like a potential prospect of some sort. Say. And it's possible they could. They're they are a young team, and it's possible they could find uh, some chemistry and and start clicking on the season. But the early returns so far this year have not been promising for Wisconsin, and Huskies really had their way with them uh, on the weekend, offensively and def- defensively. 
And I think Wisconsin's next four games at Michigan and then home against Minnesota. I, I it's going to be tough to win one of those, I think for them. Um, so that I was a little surprised. I didn't think Wisconsin was going to be that great. I didn't expect them to be this bad though. Um, and I thought that that goal. So when, I mean, the Huskies kind of played a little bit shorthanded on Saturday. Plus I was a little surprised to see Jackson Castor get the start in net on Saturday. So nice to see the team able to win. It's not like, I mean, you were out Hentious, you were out pert on Saturday. Um, might have been some other injuries in there, but uh, well, and they said Rennick was an injury. Oh, really? They said it was an upper body injury. So that's okay. I missed that. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's you know this bye week that we've got here coming up next um, this next week. I mean, comes at pretty much the yeah. best time. <laughs> I mean, if you know you have a great start after a really tough start to the season, you know you start off really good and. You get a little bit banged up, Henches, which um, you know seems to be a walking injury report where he um, always seems to be banged up or finds himself on the IR, and everybody kind of is able to to kind of catapult, take place, and you know, like you said, on correct me if I'm wrong, but the Saturday game also had a little bit of kind of weirdness to it, or maybe I'm thinking of the Friday. Game. The Saturday game and the first period of the Saturday game was a kind of a feeling out period for both teams. Not a ton of action on that first period, scoreless, uh, scoreless period. And then once the Huskies clicked in the second period, they're kind of off to the races three, nothing after, after two and, and sort of, uh, you know, both nights, I thought the third periods for the Huskies, they kind of played on their heels or conservatively, they were protecting large leads and, Wisconsin played their best periods of the weekend in those third periods, but the Huskies were really sort of, uh, they, they just weren't making, um, you know, they weren't taking too many big risks. Uh, and, and just like I said, playing a little conservatively. Uh, and yeah, Wisconsin scored one goal in the third to make it three to one. That, you know, that was like the tightest period of the or a deficit for them seemingly all weekend. But the Huskies were able to, to ice it, uh, and the the result never was was really in doubt. Just very little sustained pressure for Wisconsin all weekend, even on their power play opportunities. Did do you remember a time where uh, they had thirty seconds to a minute in the Huskies zone and peppering shots on on net? Because I, I don't. Uh, and both goals they scored, you know, one one each night were kind of off broken plays. Uh, Donnie, who kind of gets burned on the on the goal on Saturday, uh, and the, the Friday goal is kind of a nondescript scrum in front of the net that goes in. So, yeah, at no at no point was I sort of worried about how the game was you know, if the if the momentum was shifting to Wisconsin. It seemed like they never had it all weekend, and it was nice to see that they're able to, to roll with the punches and insert some guys. We saw Jay Cox for the first time in a while. Um, thought, thought he played, played well. Uh, we had Zemer, uh, your, your guy Zemer step in on Saturday and that he did and, and played all right, took a penalty, but I thought played all right. Um, so, and, and Gaster, I thought looked great. 
Um, again, not challenged too much, but when he was, he stepped up. Yeah, and that's and that's a big credit to the defense. Yeah. You know, any type of real shot um, and real chance kind of came from the outside. Um, the only real one I could think of was, you know, obviously, you know, when Rennick had that two-pad stack um, where he kind of jumped out um, on the play in the, uh, in the yeah. Friday game um, <laughs> where, you know, he kind of took a gamble and won, which he's done a couple of times this year. That was, like, really the only time that, you know, even Rennick I thought was seriously challenged. He didn't have to make too many tough saves. Caster, you know, a couple of more, but nothing – earth shattering you know just going back to my point earlier so yeah it was friday's game where walker got dinged up a little bit as well so walker got dinged up and then uh cronilla takes a 10 minute misconduct penalty after the okabe penalty where he did the forsberg reverse check and laid out the badger player and end up having to take a pen you know having to sit in the box for but it was about that time when just all of the lines were just kind of out of sorts and it was a little bit confusing. And you can kind of tell that people were worth, you know, um, line mates who they haven't really been with before. And that's really, you know, Wisconsin starting to get things churning a little bit. But even then it was just kind of like a washing machine that's off center. Like there's a lot of moving <laughs> going on, but it's not really accomplishing anything. You know, two power play goals right in the first period for that Friday game. That came, you know, fairly quickly. You know, Cronilla's on that give and go from Okabe was just just beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that first goal on on Friday, Meyer gets credit for the goal, but it was sort of the one kind of bleeder of the weekend. Uh, the other, um, other than the empty netter on Saturday, I thought the other what uh, seven goals in the weekend were all pretty goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Great passing, uh, the two on zero shorthanded goal on Saturday with with Miller uh, banging in a, a shorty. I thought that was gorgeous. Uh, I I don't. Oh man, I got. I have a pet peeve about how that happened. I'm just so happy that it ended up being a goal. At first, I wanted him to just take, like, take the shot. Yes, you have a breakaway. Like, don't try to get too cute and too fancy. But Miller slows up and passes it backwards. Two things you shouldn't do on a breakaway. He does it. It was able to work out. And who was that on the pass? Was that uh, Fitzgerald? Yeah. A great little touch pass back to him and, and roofs it. So a lot of yeah. a lot of nice goals, highlight real type goals on the weekend. Fun weekend all around and. And yeah, Caster, it's nice to see him. I mean, good chance that he's the starter next year um, between him and Lammer. I know they've Caster between the two of them has had more work over the last couple of years. Um, so I have more of an opinion about him. I have liked what I've seen um, and I, I wouldn't feel too nervous if he's the starter next year. And it's, uh, it's nice to get these guys some, some experience. Mm going into the post Renek era. I mean, keep in mind, Renek has, has been, I, I text a friend last year in years past, our nickname for him is Ripken because it's like, he's playing every game, even when things were not going as, as well for him, especially in like the 19, 2019, uh, 20 season where the Huskies were, you know, b- below 500 team. 
uh, I've kind of felt, hey, let's 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 get uh, the other guys in there to see if they're uh, you know uh, worthy of of creating a spark for the team. So I was surprised to see Caster in there. It's it makes more sense that there was an injury uh, situation with Renek. Hopefully that is not going to be too serious. I felt it was weird. It's like, yeah, we're getting a bye week this weekend. Uh, you feel like uh, you'd feel like you'd want to run with with Renek in that situation, but you know, it gives. I don't know. I kind of I kind of see the point anyway. If Renek was healthy, that. You know, give him the night off. You've got a bye week. It's a non-conference game. You know, you handily took care of them on Friday. And, you know, again, shout out to the defense. Um, uh, You know, Caster did make a couple of more um, saves and one where he swatted the puck away with the paddle of his stick that looked like to be behind him. So, I mean, kudos to those that hand-eye coordination. So, it's... So I, I saw, like, when when I saw him getting the start, I was like, okay, you know, give him a night off. He's got to buy, you know, whatnot. But then I saw it was an upper body injury. Um, so I was a little bit like, oh, okay, that's new. Hope that's not a serious thing or a long-term thing or whatnot. You know, obviously, anytime I hear now upper body injury, my thought process goes to head. And, you know, obviously what we know with concussions now, those can definitely linger. Um, and I don't, or we knew, we've always known that they linger. We just didn't care about yeah. it. <laughs> and I don't remember seeing anything on Friday, a collision or something that, that would have stuck out in the same sense as something like the Walker injury. Uh, yeah, that was really scary. I thought that was a, a smart move up five, uh, going into the third to say, Hey, we're going to be on the safe side here and, mm-hmm. and keep them out. Um, uh, and then very nice to see him in the lineup on Saturday. I was almost expecting him to just gonna get I was expecting get rest. him to be out. Yeah. So and with with that heightened attention around concussions and protocols and whatnot, I'm confident that you know I I would not expect them to send him out there if if there was concerns of, of uh, lingering injury. So um, nice to see him return. Disappointed again, as you said about about Hentius. I thought he looked great uh, on Friday. Yeah. And it's uh, he, yeah, he's got a little bit of, of Buxton, Byron Buxton syndrome in him. In that, when healthy, he's one of their their best uh, offensive threats, and especially this year when he's been on the ice, and he's a guy that you're well aware of of when he has the puck because he's doing dynamic things with it. But in special, you know, similar to the you know the Buxton situation, if you're not on the ice, that sort of skill you know is null and void. Um, so, and he's had injury concerns in the past as well. Um, had a, I believe that first year, his freshman year, which was, uh, 18, 19 full season there, but he's had some injury concerns over the last two years. And again, so far this year, missing three games, uh, missed that last, basically the last half of the first Mankato game, then the, the entirety of the second Mankato game, and then also the first Gopher game. And now, uh, the, the second Wisconsin game. So, again, hopefully, as you said, this uh, bye week comes at a good time. You can rest, uh, get get these guys some valuable rest. Uh, going forward, you know, we're going to need those top-end players. Pert as well. Not sure if you've had any chance to get some updates on these guys. Um, and, you know, and injuries happen for any team throughout a year. It's nice to know that the Huskies have the depth where we're – 
it's every week we're talking about guys that we like freshmen in particular that are you know maybe playing one game a week i'm a big fan of lutke he was finally rewarded with his first goal on friday but you know he didn't play on saturday you've been a big fan of of zemer it's nice uh, it's a it's nice to know that the Huskies have these uh, players in reserve that aren't even seeing two night, you know, two games per night or per weekend action. It's nice to know that we can plug those guys in and fill gaps when there is there is an injury issue. But and that's and that's a big compliment to you know obviously the student athletes, et cetera, et cetera, but really the coaching staff too. Um, that they're able to instill a system and a process where they're able to kind of plug in some of these game players that um, haven't had a lot of chances and where they're able just to kind of fit right in um, and fit the mold. Like you said, the only really bad mishap I would say would be just uh, that Donahue play um, that, that led to the goal on – that was Saturday, correct? Yes. Um and that was just an instance where I felt like he was caught between, you know, trying to swat at it with the puck or take the body. Um, and he didn't do either, and which is the worst situation when it comes to that. Yeah, and we're la- lavishing praise on the defense, which I, I, I am lavishing it as well. Donahue, I mean, some of my notes, not a huge fan of him on the power play. And, and as soon as I was writing that note, he set up the, the first goal on Saturday kept the puck in at the blue line and fed it to, I think that was Fitzgerald again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on Friday in particular, like when he's setting the play up in the neutral zone, he does it. I, I hate that. It's not, he's not the only one, but he does like the drop pass in the neutral zone on a power play. I hate that. Um, and he's just, he doesn't seem like a great quarterback on the power play. Again, I'm not going to, um, hammer him too much here but uh as far as just like a weak spot i've i've i'm kind of getting frustrated with him but this is nitpicking uh i still think that the uh that the team is in a is heading in a good direction and and seeing guys i was especially i think i've mentioned it already but i was especially impressed with tray ball this guy that kind of flies under the radar for the huskies um and he's not a guy that's going to light up the score sheet but He's going to play a good stay-at-home game, and I was really impressed with him. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed I like think, it, like Trayball and Bushy, I think, and I Bushy from the same Spencer same Meyer, Spencer Meyer as well. Uh, these guys play physical. They it seems like all those those uh, chances for Wisconsin to get on a rush. They got a two-on-two or something like that, and they're trying to get on the outside of the defenseman. The D guy would either make a nice stick play, intercept the puck. Uh, there just was they 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 contained any sort of chance from even developing in the offensive zone throughout the weekend, uh, and so yeah from yeah from that even from uh, Wisconsin trying to create offense standpoint, it's, and I think both both nights they got thirty shots close to it, um, and the shot advantage and, and shot attempt advantage was not I mean Saint Cloud had the advantage in those categories but not by an overwhelming margin but it just seemed like the shot attempts that wisconsin was able to create were long range chances uh not high quality chances whereas we've been rattling off the the gorgeous goals and chances that the huskies were able to produce in the weekend it just yeah like i said five to one four to one 
And that's with one period in each game where the Huskies kind of took the foot off the gas. It could have been a lot. It could have been a lot worse than those scores ended up being. So good things to see. Yeah. Um, kind of want to go back to your point about the uh, the power play and the power play entry. Um, you know, I'm seeing that a lot more also in professional hockey. I think they call it like the slingshot play or something like that, where um, you've got somebody coming in, they got center ice, and they drop it back. To I can see. I mean, it, it, it creates space, and I, I get the I, – I can understand the uh, philosophy behind it. From an aesthetic standpoint, I think it looks it looks bad. But – no, well, I, I'm willing. Again, I'm willing to be. The, the, I'm willing to be wrong on this one. Yeah, well, I'm always nervous about any time that you're dropping the puck back. You know, I I've always said that there are two times you should never do a drop pass. One is in practice, and two is in a game. Those are the two times you should never do a drop pass, and those always make me nervous. And made me nervous when Micah Miller did it, even on a two on zero. And it maybe ner- it makes me nervous every time they come by. However, like you said, it creates space. And overall, I mean, the big difference was we were able just to enter the zone so easily on the on the power play, um, and just kind of get set up. And I feel like um, I like it better. And obviously, you know, Cronella's beautiful goal on the give and go um, with Okabe that was, you know, that's going to be contradictory what I say here. But I like it when we go in. Um, we establish and then we start passing it around. Um, that's kind of what I like it. You know, the, the one-offs where that does happen, you know, obviously it looks pretty, but I feel like those are a lot risk reward. And um, there were a couple of instances where those didn't work. And then Wisconsin's just able to clear the zone and get it out of there. So that's just kind of my thoughts. I like it when we set it up because I think when we set it up and we, play around with the puck. I think, you know, our passing and everybody in the right spots and whatnot. Um, Shout out to Fitzgerald and his, his presence down low. This is, I I was, I was trying to tweet this and I never really got the words together so it can make sense. So, you know, I can, I have beauty of a podcast. I've got more than 240 characters, so I'm going to, (laughs) to, to explain everything. Um, But Fitzgerald, it's going to sound weird, but, but just stay with me on this. I think Fitzgerald may be the most dynamic down low scorer St. Cloud has ever had. And I know that's, it's I know hot, everybody just take. dropped their drinks. <laughs> I know everyone just dropped their drinks listening to us and everyone's got, you know, sh- that shocking tape that, Ooh, uh, above average at best K fan, whatever that they've got. (laughs) Um, Because yeah, we've had, obviously the lash comes to mind. I mean, he was, he was able to kind of put the puck down low. Asimont was incredibly good from that area as well. But I just think when it comes to Fitzgerald down low, just him and the goalie, I just, it's gotten to the point where now I'm like, just count it. Just, it's a goal. And just his ability to, to just slip into the empty spots and kind of daggle and get it past the, the goalie, I think is just second to none. Lash was very good um, when it comes to that, but he and Isaman also, they were more of the sharp angles shots. Um, the back, whereas, the back door play on the power play. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, when it comes to actual 
deking faking out the goaltender and whatnot. I I think just I think Fitzgerald is I think the best that St. Cloud's ever had in the, at that time at, at at in those scenarios. I know it's drilled down to a specific scenario, <laughs> but I I just I, I don't know. That's why I need more than two hundred forty characters to kind of kind of prove my point. Yeah, it's been fun to watch his progression into you know into a star player for this team. Both goals against Wisconsin um, were pretty much the same way. You know, one was on the power play. One was, I believe, even strength, um, where he was able to just slip in. It was just him and the goalie. Um, And then he also had one against St. Thomas that was very similar, and he was able to get it past Tomei. Um, And I've also seen that last year a few times when he was able to do that. Just down low in tight spaces, he's, he's just able to put it, behind the goaltender whether it's up high or five hole or whatnot and it's just it's a remarkable skill to have and that he's so consistent with it yeah very much agree um did we want to do our i mean maybe that would dovetail nicely into our player of the weekend Mm. our uh our sponsored segment from go huskies woo and uh his uh idea for the uh uh, the uh, player of the weekend. Uh, he selected which we're, we're going to call week. We're going to call this segment Pow, P O W, player of yeah yeah Pow, player of the weekend. Pow, we're All yeah right. we're dropping the, the we're ignoring the the in the acronym, but it's a it's, an it's article. go Huskies woos Pow, go Huskies woo go Huskies woo Pow. I I can't say that. <laughs> I don't know like. Makes my mouth do weird we'll, things. It's like we'll work it belongs it. in oh say can you say? It just kinda tongue twists me. We'll workshop it. So, see if uh yeah, see we'll, if see if Go Huskies Woo approves. Yeah, exactly. Um his his first answer was if I for sure could say he runs the power play, I'd say Nick Oliver. <laughs> Which I thought was, you know, first off a cop out because I don't think you can select a coach for the POW. Um, but This isn't cow. Yeah. This is POW. This isn't cow. He, Nick Oliver equals cow. That's that's going to be the, the name of this podcast. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, a good point. You know, this, this power play is absolutely clicking, and it's kind of got a different setup than kind of what we're used to, especially in the Motsko era and whatnot. I mean, now the Motsko era is, you know, five years ago. But, um, yeah, it's I like how we use the bumper, um, you know, where we've got the guy kind of in the high slot. We're utilizing him, and we're really able to give what the defensive, what the penalty kill gives us. And, you know, it, sometimes that leads to Fitzy down low, and then it's going to be in the net. Um, otherwise, he said it's Fitzgerald, and I agree. Um, I think not only on the score sheet with the two goals that he had, but also, especially when things were kind of, you know, a jarbled mess on Friday's game. Um, I thought he played just incredibly strong up both ends. He was tenacious, and I thought he was um, just a real strong veteran presence and something, obviously, that is invaluable for uh, winning hockey teams. So Fitzgerald uh, gets my vote. Um, and as well as uh, Go Huskies will. 
I know that's just going to add, you know, fuel to the fire to people who think that I am Go Huskies, boo. <laughs> I assure you, I am not. I am not nearly as as witty with the random Shakespeare quotes that he tweets out as well. Because Shakespeare is not my thing. So, uh, if, if you were to select a pow, who you got? This was a tough one this weekend. I obviously did consider Fitzgerald. Um, but I wanted to shout out to the to the defensive core, and there were several worthy candidates of this. Um, Perbix, who retroactively I think I would give last week's player of the weekend to, even even over Pert, um, and he's he's the leader of the defensive core. Uh, Pert was more of a hey, we're sorry for dragging you the first <laughs> the the, yeah. the Mankato game. So yeah, he's almost Perbix is almost in the the bar is so high for him that it's hard for him to clear that bar, which is probably an unfair criterion, but I get more and more impressed with this skating. Yeah. Every time I watch him, it's so smooth. Yeah. And so he's someone I could have easily picked for this, uh, for this honor, but in a similar sense, I want to give a, I'm going to give it to Spencer Meyer because it seems like we've, I don't know if we've even mentioned him in the podcast before this week. No, this week's I don't show, think we have. Cap, captain of the team, local local boy doing good. Sartell's best, uh, Sartell's own. Spencer Meyer scored that first goal on Friday. Again, kind of a kind of a fortunate goal to score from his perspective. I'm not sure he even expected to get the. Yeah, that that's not a shot that's necessarily meant to to be a to be a goal, but more to to get the action down in the goal crease and hope for a tip in or, or whatnot, but he gets credited with the goal. And just from a defensive standpoint, he's again, like Treble, he's not a guy that's going to rack up a ton of points uh, year to year, but he does the, uh, he does the behind the scenes and under the radar stuff so well. And, and he does have the, uh, you know, he's not just a stay at home guy too. We saw last year, I remember in the pod, couple of uh of nice opportunities that he he was able to he picks his spots he's not a reckless uh player that's going to just shoot everything at the at the net especially on a you know on a power play opportunity but when he does he's got a nice shot uh and so i've i've been impressed obviously with him for his entire career so far and i think he's really coming into his own with that leader and he's embraced leadership role which again is one of those intangibles that you can't there's no analytic uh, stat to, to compute compute that, but you know as the uh, as the guy that wears the C, you know there's there's a lot of behind the scenes locker room dynamic chemistry wise that that he's responsible in when things are going great and when things aren't going so great and I, I think he's really shown a a great uh, leadership for the team. So yeah, I'm gonna throw that out there and, and give my uh, my pow. To uh, to Spencer Meyer. Yeah, and you know you brought up a lot of really good points, and that's probably something that I have taken from for granted a little bit with Spencer Meyer. Um, just, I mean, he's so consistent, so reliable, and just never panics. Um, so I I, th- I think that's a really good, uh, really good, uh, really good pick for your pal. Um, just uh, just a little bit here, um, kind of closing up 
first time Wisconsin's been back here at uh, at at Saint Cloud State for for a decade. Um, I did laugh a little bit at the uh, the talks, or you know, with um, the announcers kept talking about the you know how things great were in the good old days, the old WCHA and and whatnot, and I just I just I just chuckled a little bit like the NCHC was were not you know totally innocent in all of this and, and, and didn't spar more changes or anything like that. It's like, no, the NC, no, we're the angels. We're the victims here in this situation. I got a kick out of that. Um, I wonder, also, when, I wonder when that narrative is going to die. Finally. No, I, I never. <laughs> and I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for that. I mean, the, the old WCHA I thought was the best conference. And I think the best way that those, that and the old the old CCHA as well. That was the best formula for college hockey. You have yep. conferences that have big names in it, as well as the smaller schools as well. Mm-hmm. Concentrating all the big names into one conference, like the Big Ten did, uh, is bad for the sport. But this goes into a whole other rant. So I mean, I have some sympathy for the, you know, the elegy for the old WCHA, but at the same time, it's almost been a decade now since we've been in the new conference alignment and let's, let's move on to something, something else to talk about, I guess. And I think a good step in that is having Wisconsin, you know, (laughs) play us or, you know, I know this was Barry Alvarez's, you know, nightmare, you know, when he created the big tent, he didn't like the idea of, you know, allegedly, like the idea of the big name schools going to the small schools, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to look at, you know, that as a charity or a handout to some of the smaller schools and, um, you know, really did, you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't want to come up to Podunk, St. Cloud, Minnesota and get their rear ends handed to them for 120 minutes like they did this weekend. So, and I would, um, I'd imagine there'll be a return trip. Next year, maybe. Yep. Next year. Next year, um, I believe we are going to be in Madison. So, well, that'll be nice. And that's uh, hopefully I mean, they'll be a little bit. Know, hopefully, it may they might be a little bit better, so it won't. You know, it'll boost our pairwise at least when when, <laughs> when we do beat them. Hey, it, it's still early. You know, who knows what these wins will do towards the end of the season? Yep. You know, I I really hope you know we're going to be good enough where it's not going to. <laughs> we're not going to care that much by the end of it. Um, you know, we're going to be kind of safely in. Um, but, you know, also props to Granado for, you know, uh, you know, agreeing to this. Um, you know, whereas Eves allegedly, again, I'll, I'll keep throwing it out there, but wanted to do like two for ones or, you know, like there was this agreement he made with Michigan Tech where, you know, he played – Michigan Tech at home, and then he would play games at Milwaukee. Would be their return trip. Green so Bay they even play. He yeah, would do. Green they would Bay. do that with Northern Michigan. I actually went to one of those games that they were playing in Green Bay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was Northern Michigan, not Michigan Tech. Tech they would play pretty regularly too, and yeah, they they'd play a lot of those quote unquote neutral site games with them. So, um, yeah, you know, Roman Ashan, you know his. You know, Sean name. Um, I don't. I, I did not feel that he was very impressive all weekend. I I kept, 
I kept thinking he would be a little more, you know, peskier and a little more annoying. And they said his name a lot. And really the only time um, that he had, I would say, any type of a big impact would be the Walker play, which was just a fluke play anyway. Um, so I felt like he had uh, definitely an off weekend. Uh, goalies were serviceable. Like you said, that they didn't have a lot of chances on a lot of the pucks over the weekend. But I thought that Mo, the Mo was better of the two. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, I, I believe that role was, was their starter last year when, when they were pretty, pretty good. But I liked out, out of the two, um, I liked Mo better. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get more work going forward for them. But yeah, like I'm trying to think like who's, who was the most impressive or which name stood out the most. The name that stood out the most is probably that Carson Coolman's. Cause I'm like, didn't that guy play for Duluth? <laughs> right. I think that was Carson Coolman. I thinking that the whole game. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that guy was like, he's gotta be like 28 now. <laughs> I start rant about 28 year old seniors, 20- transfer oh. seniors, but turned out to be a different human being. So, but yeah, and like this this Baker that they had, uh, he took a penalty late on Saturday, and they said, "Yeah, he's their first line center." I'm like, "You would have fooled me." Uh, so I, 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 again, if you're a Wisconsin fan and listening to us for some reason, um, I, I hope you are able to turn it around. But like I said, it's going to be a tough, tough slot. Ten wins is going to be a challenge for this team this yeah. year. Um, also shout out, I think, um, kind of, kind of should go to, uh, to Gino Parrish. I thought, uh, color commentary on, on, uh, on Saturday's game. I thought he did a really good job. I thought he was really entertaining. I was Um, wondering who that was. Again, I was doing my KVSC stream. Um, but you know, because I had the TV on mute, I did see a, a new face there. Um, uh has he done games in the past before? Cause, uh, I, th- I he's done a couple. Okay. Um, yeah, I so, can't. I couldn't grade you on the uh, on his skills, but I'll take no. your word for it. Well, I'm taking your word on the uh, the KVSC crew. So was it another stellar weekend for them? Yeah, they had a new. Bedell was not involved in this broadcast. They had a new color guy. This Tyson has been doing play by play. He did all. He did both Gopher games and he did both Wisconsin games. Um. Getzinger, I, I, I'm blanking on the the, uh, the first name um, on Saturday, but I thought they did they did well. Um, like I said, I, I I think the Tyson is a fantastic play by play guy. Um, so I'm yeah I'm more than happy to to continue um, streaming them as my audio. Perfect. So because of uh, the weekend and the results and whatnot, uh, polls came out. Saint Cloud State number one. Um, this is, I believe the fourth straight week where the number one has gone down. Maybe th- I can't remember who were the number ones the other. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Matt, UMass and then Mankato, then Mankato. Mi- Michigan and now St. Cloud. Yep. So, um, you know, our, our Denver watch, you know, we got to get a soundboard, you know, we, we have to, we have, we have to create some kind of button where we go. Denver watch or something like that. Um, Sloshman uh, jumped ship. He's done. Did he say so, who? Did he say who he voted for instead? He did. He said um, St. Cloud State number one, really? Mankato number two. 
All right. Um, actually, I think that was Go Huskies Woo, who was like, hey, still voting for Denver? And Slashman said, St. Cloud 1, um, Mankato 2, the rest is unknown. I think because it was just after um, Denver looked. Uh, I can't say looked. Um, uh, because obviously I just kind of saw the the score sheets and whatnot and you know what happened against Providence too. Um where it was just ep- epic collapse. Yeah. Yeah. So um you know, uh, a, a weekend that they would like to forget to, to to be sure. But yeah, so they do no longer have a first place vote. It's that's they, that's good to know. I don't think they moved that far. I think they only moved like down one. Oh, they moved down four. Now I'm wondering who three I can count. It's nice to know the Denver first place vote bit is over. I'm now wondering. I'm kind of bummed. I wanted to. I wanted them to be the captain on the ship going down. <laughs> Just still voting number one throughout the whole year. Now we get. So the next bit we got to do is, how does Wisconsin get six votes? They got six votes in this latest poll. Who is? <laughs> I, I'm suppose I suppose that could be one person ranking them 14th. I'm not exactly sure how. I think it's just it goes in reverse order of yeah it just of goes the poll. So it could just be one guy doing that. But who in their right mind would think that Wisconsin's one of the 20 best teams in the country? So if I you, mean you have to remember too, how many teams are there? 60. There's not even 60, that anymore. 61? 59? There's 59, and keep in mind that the Ivies haven't even started yet, so it's like 52 active teams until this weekend. Ivies start play this weekend, so yeah. But we're under 60 now. I think we'll be back up once the once Anchorage and Huntsville and those guys resume play next year. But yeah, at 59 at this point. So I mean, really, if they, I mean, even if they get six, you know, you you count the others receiving votes. You know, that's 35 teams. You know, you could contend that you you can make a solid argument that twenty is too much in general to vote for <laughs> to give oh, recognition. Yeah, I mean, only sixteen teams make the tournament. So yeah. in the top twenty poll, you're you're saying these are the four best teams of the the the, the best of the lousiest uh, to steal another common I, phrase. <laughs> um, yeah, God. twenty. And I hate comments, so I don't know why I keep bringing it up. Uh, I like comments, so we can. Yeah, I know. We can represent. Like, I I just maybe it's because oh I get like, I get the hate. It took me a while to to get on board. It's a parody of a, talk, a sports talk show. That's really what it is. Yeah, and I, and I get it, but like I don't know. I think there's a a line about you know being a troll and just him. <laughs> I think he's just I think he's just too far out. And, oh yeah, and, no, I and just I the people it. who, who just you know bite into it and like how, how tall are you and how much do you weigh, <laughs> like, like hook line and sinker just, just get suckered into it. First time, long time, but actually Lindsey Whalen played in Hutchinson, not Fairbanks <laughs> or, or Litchfield. <laughs> it's like, mm. like, like how are you a first time, long time? You know this is what he does. Just in, anyway. That's, Seems like you know all the bits, even though you hate them. See, <laughs> that's that's because I got a coworker who loves them. Oh, really? Okay. It's, so yeah. you're you're spite listening. A, a, a little bit of Howard Stern effect, you know. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we have any spite listeners. 
any don't. of our haters, Every, if if you're a everyone, hater, let us know. Everyone, lo- everyone loves us. Let us know. know. Let us know how we can annoy you more. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Saint Cloud number one. You know, mostly because Michigan, um, you know, drops a, somewhat of a shocker at Yost, five to two to Western Michigan, um, and then at Lawson end up losing or end up winning in overtime winning with a question mark well yeah again you know i might have to you know retract what i said earlier also about the pair wises because i was under the impression that this only like overtime losses only involved the rpi and didn't count towards head-to-head and common opponents but now when we look at like the chn um you know, pairwise rankings, it's got Minnesota and St. Cloud listed as one and one head to head, which, so now I'm all thrown out for a loop. Um, it doesn't matter because we still win the comparison. And so I think that's still important um, to kind of know and to kind of remember. But. And it's, CH, it's, it's CHN's version of the pairwise, which isn't necessarily the, the pairwise. The pairwise, the official pairwise that the committee looks at might be different than their. You know their formula might have it differently, but I'm with you, and and that we still don't know what the formula, uh, we like, I I don't know I don't I don't know what how to to count overtimes because um, I don't even think that one zero oh, and one if you're going to count that as a tie for the head to head, I don't think that's necessarily accurate. What it should be, and CHN was doing this last year, which makes more confusing i'm not saying this is a good thing but how they were listing records five categories wins wins losses ties overtime wins and overtime losses so using that measure which i do think again stupid but the most accurate if there is a fundamental difference between overtime losses and regulation losses the huskies record should be six one Oh, oh, and one. How's that for clarity? Uh, and yeah, look. Why at, do we watch this sport? Yeah. Why do we follow this? And you know, I think that we're in agreement that three on three is less than ideal. I don't like it really in each level, but at least the NHL. First of all, you got eighty-two games. You got double the amount of games that the that colleges so the college is a much smaller sample in that and thus an overtime loss has much more of an effect plus the nhl has the loser point which makes an uh, makes an effect i mean you're still getting half a point half a win for the team that loses you can disagree with that being the rule in the nhl i think they should do it where it's three wins in a regular for a regulation win and then two yeah, two wins yeah. for a overtime win and one one point for an overtime loss but that we're getting past the point here of every time they change this it's more and more it adds a layer of confusion that is uh not great when you're still a niche sport trying to to gain um more of a fan base and i don't get the whole love affair with we have to be like the nhl and it's like i I think all of that is overrated. And I think like the experience of three on three to prepare people for the next, like, I think that is a load of garbage. Um, And I don't think that is a very, 
effective argument for doing something wrong. <laughs> and, and, you know, I get it where three and three is exciting and it, it, I think it serves a very good purpose for the NHL, but I think the NHL needs it to serve that purpose because it needs the revenue dollars from butts in the seats, from people watching on TV and whatnot. That's not what college hockey survives on. You know, no one's, I, I, I don't think that those things are nearly as impactful or needed in college hockey when the layman can't even look at a score sheet and tell what the wins and losses and how good the season is going without needing a legend to keep up with it. Yeah. And I also think too, there's a, there's a obsession with, we got to get rid of ties. And I, and for me, I, well, maybe I am in the minority there, but for me, a, a tie is a specific result that, okay, maybe there's not a winner. I, I don't find that on any less satisfying though. And some games I think deserve to be ties. There's a feel to a tie. And if you're going to tell me that the gopher game, the gopher overtime loss was the three-on-three enhanced. I mean, take the last five minutes of that game. Now, that's fun for me. I was talking about three-on-three being fun. The last five minutes of of regulation were great fun. And if you're going to tell me copy and paste that last five minutes, put that as a five-on-five overtime period, and it's a scoreless overtime period, and that ends as a three-three tie. Are we really? Are we leaving the building going? Guys, it was a great game, except the ties. I, I hate that. I certainly wouldn't think that that was the case, and certainly how the game actually ended in three and three overtime was much more of a downer than how a scoreless overtime session would have been. I, I think that we just need to get over this fear of ties, and and the other thing is. The NCAA is not outlaw has not outlawed them, whereas the NHL has at least in the regular season. Can't the game can in a tie in the NHL? They, they'll do a shootout if the three on three doesn't work. But in the three on at least for non conference purposes, there's been a handful of ties in this first month. And I'll tell you, I have this ESPN Plus, which gives me access to ECAC games. Uh, watched a little bit of Canisius and Clarkson in overtime this past week. Uh, yeah, you don't like the drop pass in the neutral zone. That was about all the five-minute overtime was. Um, so I watched a little bit of CC and Union because I'm a masochist, apparently. Not a good, <laughs> not a fun period of hockey. Um, so it's not an automatic cure-all that three-on-three is going to just generate this magical back-and-forth action. Uh, I, I just, and we discussed last week, you know, we, we complain about this, this problem, but we, we didn't really put a solution. And I realized saying go back to the way it was is reactionary and, and whatnot. But I, if I, if it was up to me, I would bring back the five on five winner take all overtime. Meaning if, yeah. if you score, that's it. It's a full win in the, in the standings and a full loss in the standings, not any yeah. sort of. Overtime losses mean something different and whatnot. And then just end the game after the five minutes. No more shootouts. No more three-on-three. Just end the game. It's easy to understand that, I think, or at least easier versus what what we have in place right now. 
Uh, and so that's how I would change it, which is to say, let's bring it back to the way it used to be. Yep. I agree with you because I think, you know, people, I don't get people who love three on three, but hate shootouts. Like to me, they're exactly the same. Um, you're just trading a breakaway for a two on one. I mean, that's essentially all you're doing. And to say that a two on one is more of a team sport than a breakaway. I just, I don't buy it. Um, but I agree with you. I would ha- put one caveat, and it's something actually that you said earlier as well. The, I think the only change you really need to do is just put three points for a win and one point for a tie. And and that that still gives people the incentive to try to get that extra point. Otherwise, um, you know, you only leave with one point instead of a possibility of three points. You're so saying... You're still going to get people... You're still going to get games where it's going to be really, you know, you're it less it lessens the chance that you're going to get people just playing shell hockey for also a five minute overtime because people will be competing for to get three points and the win. Are you saying for the NHL? I mean, yes, in general, but I mean, because it's just there's there's no points when it comes to non conference games like this. I mean, we have no three-point situation in in conference play. We do, um, yes. But I, it's just like that's correct. I'm I'm just talking like the grand scheme of things when we when we get going. I mean, NHL beside the point. But yes, for for college hockey, three points for a win. And obviously, I'm just talking about conference. I don't. Yeah, I would still say ended as a tie, which is how at least the NCHC does it. Correct. Again, the fact that we are unsure uh, is is not great. But how that how it currently that, is that is. But but you still get a point for losing in overtime. Oh, so you're saying uh, you're saying you want the five on five overtime? Correct. And then if it goes, maybe you you want to go to four on four. Fine. Go so you don't want to do I'm you don't okay want to do a loser point. No, no, I, I I'm I'm with you yep. on that. And then three points for a win, one point for a tie. I'm with you for that. That's my answer. And then again, it doesn't take us 20 minutes to talk to a new fan about how you know, wins only count as somewhat of a win or somewhat of a loss. Yeah, which we're still not even 100% sure if we have it right. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. And this was all started on... <laughs> you don't come here for facts. You don't come to the Husky Hockey Podcast for facts. And we went off so. that tangent based on the Michigan result, which... The Michigan result, which shouldn't happen anyway, yeah, I thought, because the disallowed goal on, on on Saturday night, I think, was just a load of crap. And again, my biggest, like, I hate overturning goals, especially if it's judgment calls about was you know the stick above the crossbar, which again is a really dumb arbitrary line that you don't have a camera angle at all that can definitively say. Especially, um, especially at Lawson, which especially at Lawson, I don't care what Derek Shepard has to say about the improved cameras and and whatnot. You're not going to have the right angle, um, because again, you it's impossible to have the right angle for every situation on everything. So it's just, it was just this arbitrary, you know, kind of. I think it's too high and and just looking know, looking give... looking for a reason to wave the goal off. And they yeah. did this in the in the Friday Husky game. Three of those goals were reviewed. I think the first one, the the Meyer goal, 
could see maybe you want to check uh, on some interference. The other two, I'm like, why are we even yeah. looking at this? And it, again, it just it gums the game up. Any sort of momentum that is that is generated from a goal like that is you're basically giving a free timeout to both teams. And so you're, it, it, you struggle to gain a good flow of the game. And this doesn't happen at the NHL level. Uh, and Which, and my answer to that is, if a coach thinks that shouldn't be a goal, have them actually challenge it. And you don't need it to, to go into a huge review. Like, if, give a coach one challenge. And if he's right, he gets to keep it. If he's wrong, he gets a two-minute delay a game penalty. Like, Yeah, I, I don't think that's a perfect... Uh, system, but I prefer it to. We're just gonna Review look. We're gonna every look at single everything. goal for the heck of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we've got. Like I don't the the thing about like offsides reviews, especially I think are really rinky dinky. Um, it took me. I turned the wild game off. Uh, the the, the Jets game, turned it off after they scored that empty netter. It was not until. Three o'clock in the afternoon, the next game, the next day, that I'm listening to the Common Man show and they're doing a montage about the. I'm like, why did they do a montage about a game that they lost? <laughs> Was it up until then that it, I'm like, oh, they reviewed it for guys' toenail being crossed the line, and, and so I, I'm not even a fan of that. Uh, but it's a preferable system to just giving giving officials the opportunity to do it at any whim. Uh, I do like the fact that you're limiting them to uh, to you know challenges, which, like you said, come with it the penalty of a delay a game if it is a, a needless review. So, so yeah, college hockey uh, problems uh, could be in a weekly segment. <laughs> um, you know, just kind of you know talking about polls and whatnot. You know, I just kind of want to go back to the last week was there any other thing that kind of stuck out to you obviously Duluth um sweeping the home and home with the Gophers I thought that was um interesting I don't think that was unexpected I mean that's probably what I would have picked uh what happened but I was a little bit surprised that they were able to put up five yeah just because we know how you know they can play Duluth really got their they really have the Gophers number. I didn't realize when yeah. it was like twelve and one or something in the last bunch of games. Mm-hmm. I was. Yeah, I think Siski tweeted out something along those lines. Twelve, one, and three, or something like that. I mean, just a massacre. Yeah, we we were texting about some of the other games. Um, surprised by CC beating Boston College. Although my comment there was, it looks like Hockey East is a little down this year. Uh, and their non-conference so far reflects that. Um, and St. Thomas getting their first ever win over Ferris F and State. Uh, and as I texted you, improves the Huskies pairwise. Yeah, there we go. And, um, you know, do we have to point out Trevor Zins, former Husky? Two goals, four assists, six points in eight games. And he was probably the best player on the ice when they played the Huskies. That might have been some. Did I? I, yeah. did, I mean, I saw you know, when we were doing our preview episode for that. I saw that he came from St. Cloud. I don't. Did he even play for the Huskies, or was he just a practice squad guy? Because I don't. I, I didn't remember the he, name. 
he played a couple he, games. just a couple yeah but yeah. good for him but I mean, I, but but again you look at the huskies defensive yeah it's a tough I mean, we're tough squad to that, crack that that's tough to squad to crack like you said and even you know we comment about Lutke and how well he played also on friday and he didn't even get the, any game time on saturday so yeah and like you said uh, the western michigan win over michigan it could have been i thought should have been a sweep good for the uh, it's good for the conference um when you when it comes to the pairwise Non-conference games, I think, are almost too important in, into the formula because you're playing, you don't, you don't, you're not playing a ton of games, and you're playing, uh, you know, you're playing thirty-five to forty games in a year, ten of which, roughly eight to ten, let's say, are non-conference. But that non-conference stretch, that's where you get the uh, head-to-head comparisons and the common opponents uh, comparisons. It's so vital. Uh, remember the year that the Huskies, I believe it was the last year of the WCHA, the Huskies won the conference. We're right on the fringe of the pairwise because they went something like two and six in non-conference. Uh, it, it can break your season. And that included, I believe, getting swept at home by a Northern very Michigan. bad Northern Michigan team. Correct. Uh, and so- I, I got a story about that. So I... Um, so we were at that game, and, you know, we were flying high, like, throughout that whole season. I mean, obviously, you know, we ended up getting first in the conference that year. But, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, just so excited, so stacked about or just pumped about the, the prospects. And Northern Mission's coming is, you know, just near the bottom, um, you know, of, of uh, the CCHA and, or, right, old CCHA? Yep. Great. Yep. Right? version 1.0. And I just remember looking at the assistant coach and if anybody's watched Dr. Who, he looked like a Santarian, you know, he just looked like a little short guy, big old bald head, you know, just, it was, I don't know what it was. It was the, it's while Kyle was the coach and his brother, I don't remember what his first name was, but he was his main assistant and they both look like sci-fi characters. (laughs) So, so anyway, I am, I end up, you know, having a couple of beverages, just getting drunk that night, you know, after we got swept. And I just remember, you know, tweeting out all my frustrations and whatnot. I ended up going to old Chicago, you know, rest in peace, old Chicago and St. Cloud. I, I miss it's closed now. Yeah. House of Pizza took it over. But um, yeah, I got a little bit of inside scoop from the. Um, so it's a it's now it's now a house of pizza. It's now a house of pizza. Yep. Is the original house of pizza still in downtown? Yep. Okay. Um. And the um yeah the assistant coach was there, so I ended up buying him a drink, and then just I ended up talking to him for about forty minutes, and he was just raving about how good the Huskies are. And I'm just like, we looked like garbage. You guys just killed us this weekend. I was so high. I was so happy. And just, I, I am so down on this team right now. You know, I, I had aspirations about going to the, going to the frozen four. and Which they ended now, up doing. Which they ended up doing. And he was right. And that's the whole thing. He just said, no, you guys will be there at the end of the year. And so I don't, like he predicted it. And, you know, I I, I was on my old phone and we didn't have iCloud cloud back then. So I did, I, I don't have the picture still, but 
you know, it was there's a picture of just uh, us giving thumbs up and me having a beer with with him as well, and he's just got this big old smile with his Northern Michigan <laughs> jacket on and whatnot. So he was a cool guy. I mean, obviously, I BS with him for about forty five minutes, and he was. Yeah, he was raving about how good the Huskies were, and sure enough, he was right, and we ended up going to the Frozen Four that year. So, kind of a kind of a fun story. Yeah. So yeah, the and so non conference is so vitally important. Not only, and the, but that that also extends to your conference because St. Cloud's going to play Western Michigan four times this year, and and I mean, imagine if they were to take they do Western Michigan does play Michigan one more time this year uh, in the. GLI over Christmas. So let's say they win that game. I mean, it's a two, two wins versus Michigan, which is going to be a team. I think that we all think is going to be near the top and then going to be a pairwise player this year. So, I mean, not to say that this is going to, you know, cement everybody's season because Western Michigan won a game against Michigan, but that, and combine that with the rest of the conference's success, you know, that CC win over BC, these are the kinds of games that, a lot of times that common opponent metric only factors in a, a handful of games. And so winning, you know, CC winning a game against BC and whatnot, uh, Western Michigan, that heightens the, uh, the rest of the conference when it comes to those uh, pairwise um, comparisons. So shout out to those teams. Miami's still struggling. Uh, I saw that they got swept. Um, so not everyone had a great weekend. Uh, uh, no, UND splitting with Quinnipiac, which I thought was a good result for them. Uh, so now you brought up Western Michigan quickly, and that's four times. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we we don't get we only play Miami at home get De- and Denver on the road. So Den- Den- okay. Denver doesn't come to St. Cloud. St. Cloud doesn't go to Miami. Okay, and then everyone everyone else you're playing two and two. Two two. Okay, sounds good. I know you've got the rotation memorized. I... Well, they changed it. Uh, the The original rotation, I'm sure they changed it because of this, because the original rotation had the Huskies play North Dakota and Denver only once the first two cycles. And it's like, those are always two of the top teams in the conference. And it's, it's a bit of a break to be able to only play those teams twice or one series. One series. Each. So I think this time when they reconnoitered it, they made sure to you know make sure that not to not to lump those two teams in together. I don't think I've ever heard the word reconnoitered. <laughs> well, is that a word or yeah. did you just? It's one of those words because I don't think that connoiter is a word, but reconnoiter is. Um, okay. It's like you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but you can never be just just whelmed. Yes. Think you can in Europe. Um. So, questions. You know, you know, we said this was going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, and sure enough, we're an hour into it, and now we have questions. We don't even have a, a series to preview, so it's uh, we got the buy to preview. So I think we're going to do really well against them. Um, <laughs> Whiskey Dave, will Jack Johnston ever play? No. I think this defensive core is too too tough to crack and I think we got too many uh, really good um really good defensemen there. It's 
I think it would take a miracle and a lot of or bad injuries. Happening. Yeah. For for that to happen. So um uh Lady War Black. Um good friend Sasha. Do you think uh, polls are uh, BS this early in the season? Um, I think polls are BS in every sense of the word. Um, the only thing that matters is the almighty pairwise. <laughs> um, it's 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 a nice popularity contest, I think. But you know, just like you said, how does Wisconsin get six still? It's it's always just kind of that little bit of, you know this one girl is always the popular girl. So they're always going to get the benefit of the doubt, no matter how much bad stuff she's done. I don't have any ill will towards any, <laughs> like I just reopen some high school wounds. <laughs> right and I, I think another thing to keep in mind with polls, uh, is that it's still a regional sport. The, it seems like yeah. if you're a writer, if you cover a team or you cover a league or run a, college hockey website or whatnot you're an eastern guy or you're a western guy or gal um and we don't have a national tv presence in the way that for instance college football obviously does and college basketball where it's a lot easier for you to to check out the national scene and contextualize that within whatever league you're covering uh so the favoritism of my league or my half of the country plays effect too. Like, I mean, I, how many, if you're a big 10 writer or if you cover a big 10 team, are you watching ECAC hockey? Are you watching hockey East? If, if you're not, if you're, if your team is not playing one of those teams, no. And the other thing, I mean, because it's all basically Friday, Saturday games, it's just impossible to watch you know, all the games and they basically play at the same time, you know, it's seven o'clock roughly on both of those nights. That's why I like watching those, you know, that Tuesday Clarkson Canisius game. Cause it's like, well, there's nothing else going against it. So I can actually watch it. But even that I had, I, to, always, I had to pay five bucks for a app to watch it. So it's, it's just tough to watch. It's tough to get a feel of, I mean, even last, I mean, especially last year, um, I, there, I didn't watch any, I didn't watch any of Mankato. Um, you know, it was all just because there was no non-conference. I had only watched the NCHC last year. So even going into the tournament, so we got a Mankato coming up or even the Boston teams. It's like, I hadn't seen a second of these teams play and, and it's hard to have a real educated opinion when you're just going off box scores. Um, so yeah. that, that also does play an effective why the poll shouldn't matter because, you know, those pollsters, the guys that are people that are selecting the, you know, filling out a, a poll, they're they're going on mostly box score knowledge, and I, I think that's frustrating. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I'm really upset that I had a point that I wanted to make and I lost it, so now I'm just trying to stall to see if I can have it come back to me. Because you were talking about the streaming, haven't watched a second of anybody else, you know, for last year. Shoot, flow, it was, flow it was, sports. It was an award-winning. Like it was, it would have been like the best point ever made. Like it's a bummer that I can't remember. It'll, right now. it'll come out maybe like three weeks from now, but you'll, you'll, yeah. you'll get it back. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Just tune in next um, week. Yeah, tune in cliffhanger. Um, a sub question: Do you like uh, playing with a target on your back? And Zach uh, had a response to that too, because um, he actually predicted that we'd be number one by Halloween, and he was right. <laughs> um, but all, all I really care about is in April, and I, I get it, and I get that all what really matters is that we have a championship at the end of it. But if that's also all you care about, then why are you like, why be along for the ride? And that, that's to where, you know, I saw that a couple of times also, you know, over the weekend, it's like, um, you know, it's like, well, well, it doesn't matter if, unless we don't win the championship in April, it's like, then why are you watching? Then why are you even a fan? You know, and obviously this isn't saying, you know, it wasn't Zach or anything like that. But it's just, it was just really annoying to me. It's like, you know, that's not how the flow of time works. You know, (laughs) to to get there, you have to play games beforehand. And if you're not going to get excited about those games beforehand, or if you're always just going to be guarded, then why are you a sports fan in general? Because guess what? There are going to be, you know, 58 or whatever teams at the end of it that are going to end in disappointment. I mean, you could look at teams like North Dakota or Minnesota or whatnot that have 30-some Frozen Fours, but they only, you know, have eight championships or something like that. And it's like, congratulations, you lost a lot of Frozen Fours. <laughs> you know, that doesn't diminish the fact that they're, you know, have some of the best tradition in college hockey. So it's, that sentiment is always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it's like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to say if you don't like it, just leave, or whatnot. But it's just like we can still enjoy nice things, and to where you know, if we have feel that there's a target on our back, we should want the target on our back. You know, we should want this spotlight because, you know, that that I feel that that's something that we need to get accustomed to if we're going to consistently become a power in this country um, for college hockey and we're not quite there yet. And yes, championships may take that, you know, and if we get to that point, but, but to say that, you know, it's, you know, it, it doesn't really matter um, unless it does happen in, you know, in April, it's just—I don't know. I don't know. That—that—that—that's just my whole point when it comes to it. It's, it's just a little bit. Just, just enjoy the ride. Like, let's have nice things. <laughs> let's be happy right now. Yeah, and I've been—you know—over the last decade, increasingly disillusioned with the NCAA tournament, just in general. I find it unsatisfying in a way. Uh, I feel like it's too random i almost feel like i get a better handle on or not handle i get a better idea of the cream of the crop over the long haul of a 40 game or so season rather than four games which are played in terrible ice conditions sometimes or in front of no fans even in non-covid years um the there's a lot talk about rants there was a lot i could go on about as, as far as how the ncaa tournament goes and so yeah. i'm not saying that yeah number one overall seed going into the tournament crapping out in the first round is uh, that's better than a national title i'm not obviously saying that 
Uh, but the how the tournament has evolved leaves a sort of a bad taste in my mouth just in general. So I more if I if it's just like if I'm I'm never going to be a this is not a sport. I don't think that you should just make it, you know, like you, it's the Christmas and Easter churchgoers. Don't just make this where I'm only watching the tournament. Cause in some cases it's the worst hockey um, yeah. of the season and not always, but sometimes and watch the whole six months. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a sport where, you know, we've said some of the downsides of, you know, every game's on Friday and Saturday and you can only watch so many of them or one a weekend or one a night. That also is an advantage, too, because it's it's not something where it's a I got to look at the TV guide to see when they play. You kind of know Friday and Saturday is when uh, is when the game's going to be on. And it's not a ton of of uh, a time commitment, you know, two games a weekend or. Just, if you just want to do one of the games, I think that is an advantage for the, for the sport as well. So, and as far as target on their back, yeah, we, we don't have to remind ourselves as far as how the Huskies typically don't play well with the target on their back. Uh, NCAA tournament history, just twice have they won a game in the tournament when they were the higher seed. I think that's true. Uh, well, yeah, because uh, Mankato was also a two last year. So the majority of their wins have been as the lower seed. And when they do have the higher seed, <clears throat> Air Force, <clears throat> American International, in in two obvious cases, uh, number one yeah. overall seed, those didn't go. I Did they go very well? I don't think they went very well. So not ideal. I'd like to. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to be able to to root for a team that wins the national title full stop. But then you get to, I, like I think in this last decade, um, I think that that Denver national title was probably the most, or North Dakota's as well um, in 16. But I, I really look at Denver's, I think they were the number one overall seed. They were a one seed at least. Um, and they were a number one team throughout the whole year. And then they took care of business at the, at the end of the year. It's a, that's the one sort of um, national t- uh, championship in this recent run that I'm like, that makes sense. Whereas yeah. I've had, you know, I've had some doubts about some of the others. But I mean, most of the time when we're talking about polls, I mean, we're, we're talking about how bad some of the votes are. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not here you know, saying we should be number one or Michigan's number one and they shouldn't, you know, it's because in the end that aspect doesn't matter, but we should have a target on our back because we were in the national title game last, last year and we are a contender this year. Everybody and, should get up to play St. Cloud State, and no have, matter where we're ranking in whatever polls. Yeah, and, 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 and have, have and done this. to keep that going. And have been a successful top top flight program for a number of years now. This isn't just a one and done kind of deal. Uh, made the tournament more often than not. What all but twice in the last since the new conference. And that's and that's what's really amazing about college hockey in general is how all of the Minnesota schools has really been able to kind of overstep the Gophers. I mean, 
in some sense. I mean, maybe not Bemidji quite yet, but um, it's it, it, it's no longer you know a Minnesota and then the others like it was you know in the in in some of those uh, you know two thousands ninety nines and whatnot. You know, we're 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 able to not only compete, but in some cases be a lot better than. Um, and that's just a kudos to all those programs and, and being able to recruit really well and whatnot. Um, and, you know, that's where college hockey's at its best when we've got such a high level of talent coming from so many places. And, and that's good for the game, and I wish there were more fans that appreciated that. I agree. Well, yeah, like we said, shorter podcast, and sure enough, we still go an hour twenty. So look at us. That's shorter, I think, in the in the history of the pod. That's on the shorter <laughs> side. So, uh, yep, like I said, next week, bye. Um, then we're going to be at Colorado College. Um, so we'll uh, preview Colorado College, and you know we don't really have uh, much on the docket for next week. Um, so we'll. Probably Maybe we'll get that way to still we'll get that hour sh- we'll get that short one in finally yeah. <laughs> exactly any exactly. uh and just closing thought just scrolling the schedule this weekend not a ton Jerry, of com- Jerry yeah. Springer final thought didn't find a ton of compelling matchups this weekend you not got, really it's kind of a boring weekend yeah you got you got Ivy Ivy League colleges starting up and but. You know, even in the conference, Western Michigan out to Colgate, uh, Omaha playing the vaunted Long <laughs> Island Sharks. I just might, I might tune in just to see what their jerseys look like. Um, the baby blue? Is it? I, I don't think I've seen them. I've seen the logo. I don't think I've seen the full uh, full uniform. I think the, uh, the matchup with the most uh, hype or anticipation would be that UND Penn State I think this is technically the Hall of Fame game oh that's the Hall of Fame game yeah which is going to be in Nashville and supposed to play it last year obviously canceled a year push back a year but at the uh whatever the Predators arena is right there in in downtown Nashville I I bet that's going to be a, a a good a good game and just a one-off, just the one game there, but uh, kind of a sexy, a sexy matchup there. So, yeah. not sure. If I did I see, can... I did see earlier today that Guy Gadowski did say that he sees nothing special about North Dakota. <laughs> Give so. him some, uh, some locker room or bulletin board material. Bulletin board material. That's good to see. So I don't know if there's streaming options for that around here, but um, I might look into that. So. I forgot a question. Um, does Wisconsin uh, is Wisconsin terrible? Or are they going to get decent wins by the year's end? Um, coming in, I thought they were bad, but despite the score, they put a lot of pressure on Renek and created more than I expected. I disagree. I saw the game a little bit differently. I thought it was a lot of peppered shots from outside. There was not a lot in tight, and the only time they did generate anything was in the third, where you can tell the Huskies kind of let it go. Um and I know you talked a little bit about um, them. You predict less than 10 wins. Um, you were good on the over-under for the Huskies' uh, goals. Nailed it. Set so, it at 8.5, and, and it was at 8 up until the last minute 
when they got the, the empty netter. And I think I took the I, over, so I think I won that. Yep. That high stakes it. bet. Yep. Um, but technically, I don't think it counts because I don't think Walker, Nolan Walker, called the bank on that <laughs> empty netter. Where he, See, now you're getting into this. Is, this, is, this is nitpicking. <laughs> it is. But, um, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you get bad beats and you lose on them. Um, so if you were to put the over-under then for Wisconsin for wins on the season, would you put them at 9.5? Would you put them at 8.5? Boy, uh, under I mean, ten. I think under ten wins is a hot take. You you'd get a good uh, betting line on that. I think. I mean, keep in mind they're still playing Michigan State, who isn't very good. Ohio State's not very good. The top end, the 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 Big Ten is a bit top heavy. Yeah, and I'm not sure what they're what the remainder of their non-conference looks like. I'm just checking. Clarkson it. and Clarkson and one game against Yale. Uh, that, that Yale game, that'll actually be two. It's a, it's a holiday tournament. So they play someone else. Uh, on oh, that. Okay. But so those aren't, I mean, Clarkson's decent. We haven't seen Yale yet, but uh, they can, they can maybe win those games. I'll set it. I'll check it out. I'll say 11 and a half. 11 and a half. I'm taking the under. But we do have to remember they are a young team. They did lose a lot last year. So Yeah, I mean, there's can... there's definitely a possibility that the bottom falls out. And that's kind of what happened in some of those Eves years where they'd front load those wins beginning of the year. And once uh, the new year hit, it was, uh, let's, let's uh But they, they the could get course. it together. Who knows? Maybe. I'd be pretty surprised if they were. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the under on it. So we'll, we'll keep... Uh, I'll keep go tabs on that the rest of the year. I'll go the over. I'm not thinking more much many more than that, but I'll go the over just so we can it'll be a more compelling bit. Perfect. <laughs> so, all right. Uh well, that about does her. So, appreciate everyone listening and as always, uh go Huskies. Woo!